In our previous episode, we covered eyewitness accounts of a creature that defies explanation. Neither human nor insect. One thing is certain. It's not of this world. Today, in a special episode, we're talking to Paul Jacks about his encounter with the Mantis Man. Welcome to Shadowland, everybody. Welcome. This is a podcast that shines a spotlight on stories of the supernatural, mysterious, eerie, and unexplained. Stuff like the Michigan Dogman. Ancient races of aliens. Gnomes driving bubble cars. Interdimensional portals. Dream telepathy. Remote seeing. Miraculous healings. Slips in the space-time continuum. Haunted forests. <laughs> the Grassman. Haunted Taco Bells. Calls from the Wild. All that stuff. All that stuff and more. Lots more. I'm Christina Callery. And I'm Seth Jablon. And today... Today we're talking to Paul Jacks. Paul Welcome. Jacks. Welcome, Thank Paul. You. Glad to be here. Haunted yeah, Taco glad Bells. Glad to have you. <laughs> Ta- yes, yeah. You ha- our, our Haunted Franchise uh, episode... <laughs> about a year and a half ago, um, yes. there are actually there haunted Taco Bells. And <laughs> there are. There's a lot. There's a, lots of haunted fast food yeah. chains. You'd be surprised. Haunted um, WalMarts, the whole thing. Yep. Um, so, do you so, want to introduce our guest there, Christina? Yeah. So, in our last episode, if you haven't listened to it, you need to go back and listen to it. We talked about several sightings of mysterious creatures, and one of them was the Mantis Man. And we are beyond thrilled to be speaking to the original eyewitness today, Paul Jacks. And first of all, I just want to say thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show. We are so excited that you're here and our listeners are in for a real treat. I've been fascinated by this story from the moment I first heard it on the Monsters and Mysteries in America episode. Um, And also, before we get started, I... I want to apologize for butchering the name of the river where all of this took place. You <laughs> yeah, corrected me in our, when we were messaging. And let's see if I can do it right now. It's the uh, Muskanetkong. Well done. <laughs> awesome. And I appreciate the uh, appreciation because I've heard podcasts talking about this story and no one has ever reached out to me. So, Really? Okay. Well... Glad to have you. We always like to, you know, if, if we can talk to someone about their firsthand accounts, because it's it's always so much more interesting and nuanced than, you know, what you sort of hear copied around and repeated, uh, you know, in, in podcasts and on the Internet. So, yeah, glad to have you. Yeah. So you had said when we were messaging that there's a lot more to the story. So we would just love to hear the whole story from well, start to finish. More in content than uh, actual sequence of events, but. Where would you like me sure. to uh, yeah, of start? Uh, yeah, um, why don't you just start at the beginning and just tell us about your experience. At the time, I was uh, big into fishing. Uh, my boss at the time also. And uh, I had never been to the Muskinacong, although I am familiar with it. It's a, it's a big river in this area. Um, I had fished elsewhere, but he wanted to go to this particular river, so it was my first trip there. Um, the day we went, it was 
it had been raining hard for the last couple of days. So it was a very white sky, very heavy sky, and the uh, the water was high. So when we got there. Um, in a lot of the accounts, people believe that this happened in Stevens State Park in Hackettstown. That's where the other witness had his encounter. That's not where I had mine, although people think they have it in the same place. Um, this was a little further south along Route 57, I believe, behind the Dairy Queen, talking about haunted uh, <laughs> food chains. But um, <laughs> okay. well, you park your car next to a, I think it was a defunct gas station, and we walked along to the back of the Dairy Queen, which had a big backyard, and entered the river there. And he said, which way do you want to go? I like to uh, fish downstream. He's a better caster than I am, so he went upstream. Um, I entered the river and saw that there was a bend almost immediately, you know, about 30, 40 yards down. So I said, that's where I wanted to fish. So I got into the water and started wading out and soon realized that uh, the current was really, really strong. Um, and like I said, I had never been on this river before and most of the rivers I fished, you know, you, you get to know them, you know, where the holes are, you know, where the boulders are, you know, where the, so I didn't know anything. And I started to get very nervous because once I started getting closer and closer to this bend in the river, the water was getting deeper and deeper. And I was, and the, and the current was actually pushing me along and I was leaning way back. I would say as much as 30 degrees and it was, and my heels were dugging me uh, in the gravel. It was a gravel bottom that seemed pretty smooth. But despite all that, it was still pushed me further and further down river and close into the middle and the water was getting deeper. So I was in, uh, I was getting nervous. It was a, I thought it was a sketchy situation. Um, one topographical, um, element of the story that I didn't mention was that in front of this bend in the river, there was a shoal, you know, you know, like a little narrow island and, yeah. uh, where the water had cut behind it and, you know, along the bank and there was brush and trees on this shoal, but not very high. I would say nothing more than four or five feet. So the few feet of the uh, far bank were blocked. And right there, like I said, on the, you know, where we had come from, it was a very busy highway, but the other side of the bank, it was nothing but fields and farmland. I've seen it on a map. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's very large. Um, and um, I call them shelter belts, the windbreaks of trees that the farmers plant to to break up the wind uh, right. along the bank of the river. So there were gaps in between, you know, every hundred yards or so of, of about, you know, 10, 15 yards of clear space. And there was one right at the bend in this river. So... Uh, that's actually, and you know, 
So here I was worrying about how am I going to get out of the situation. And uh, that's when I caught motion from the corner of my eye. And I looked over and that's when this thing stood up <laughs> from behind this, uh, you know, this little, you know, the, the, the trees on the shore were blocking it. But it stood up and started walking up the bank. <clears throat> so that's pretty much the... Uh, the gist of the encounter. And when I saw it, it was already halfway transparent. And as it moved up the bank against a very white sky, it was almost like in front of a movie screen. I think that's key to the story, too. It started hmm. to fade completely. So in about three long seconds, by the time it reached nearly the top, it had completely disappeared. So as this thing was moving, it was in the process of vanishing, yeah, like in exactly. stages. Could you could you describe to people what it was that you saw? Well, I said to uh, Lance Strickler at the time, when the producers of uh, Monsters and Mysteries of America, there was nothing uh, nothing else to describe except a mantis man. It was humanoid. Um, funny, you guys saw the painting, right? Depiction of it. Um, Yes, a couple yeah. of years yes. after this encounter, the movie District 9 came out. Are you familiar with that movie? Uh, sure. With yeah. the prawns who got stuck here on Earth? Right. Very similar. Yes. Okay. See, you know that weird, it's like a super upper body and almost a ridiculously narrow waist midriff and then white thighs and big legs. Very, very similar. In fact, when I when I watched the movie, I said, oh, my God, just put a mantis face on that, and uh, you pretty much have what I saw. And um, I listened to your podcast, and you said, when you saw my depiction of it, you said there was also something very reptilian about it. Very true. Yeah. It, um, I think the other witness had described... Um, the skin of a snake, very similar. Oh wow! If you okay. have, if I'm sure you've seen a garter snake, very common garter snake, very yep. same coloration, grays, blacks, and greens over a very pale, kind of yellowish background. Oh, did it? Um, did it seem to have scales, yeah, or back, what was the texture yeah, of the, the skin, skin like? Of a snake. I can't verify that it was too far away, but that's what that was my impression. Despite it having insectoid qualities, yeah, it would, it had a, the skin of a snake. It was a skin, right? Like as opposed to like a you think of an insect having right. an exoskeleton, yeah. like a shell, right? It's but this was more yes. skin-like. Um, Right. Interesting. And, and, and it, um, in, so when you say humanoid, right, you're talking about arms and legs, right. As opposed to literally like, um, you know, six legs that are, I'd sort of, you know, insect like it was like a, a humanoid body with the sort of thin tapered waist or whatever. And then this sort of leathery scaly reptilian like skin. And it looks like it also, there's like little, um, so like a spine or something running down? Uh-huh. Very pronounced spine, little, um, I wouldn't exactly call them horns, but nubs on the skull. 
a ridge down mm-hmm. the, the top and out to the side? Yes. Yeah. Interesting, which is also not very insect-like, right? Like insects generally don't have spines, right? So yeah. that's interesting. Um, and so the, the, the most mantis-y thing about this would be then maybe the, the eyes and the face. Was it a very like insect-like face? Is that what struck you as yeah. mantis-like? The eyes, very uh, diagonal. Dia- diagonal, sorry. Um, large and black, pointed, pointed face. Couldn't really see a mouth. Banana mouth, it was very small. Mm. So it was like yes. a pointed chin, kind of like a triangular yes. mantis mm-hmm. type face. And black yeah. eyes. Um, one of the things I was, I was wanting to ask you about is um, in the uh, Lon Strickler account, I think there was kind of an assumption that maybe the arms were a little bit more humanoid yes. rather than wings. Yeah, the other witness claimed to have seen wings. If this thing had wings, I didn't see them. Um, if, if it was just the angle or anything, I didn't, you know, I just saw a very humped, very pronounced spine back. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that hump was uh, whatever they call where the wings come out on a bug, maybe, I don't know. The arms, however, yeah, weren't because I've seen sketches of these mantis aliens that have the mantis actual mantis mm-hmm. arms, very long and kind of right bent. No, these were, from what I could see, no, it was it was very humanoid. Right, right. And did it um, did it seem to like? Did it know you were? Did, did you get the sense that it knew you were there? Like that? Did it look at you, or is it just? The it fact did. That it it did look at him. Oh, yeah, it did. we it covered did. that, okay. right? And you, I think you, you had said that it, you had the sense that it was astonished to see you. Yeah, it was. Um, well, that's where the content that has never been discussed comes into play. Um, I was in a very sketchy situation. <laughs> I thought, and I said, I don't know what's going to happen. Is my next step? Are, are my waiters going to, you know? Is the water going to come over my waders? Am I going to go under? What's going to happen there? So I was very nervous about my physical situation. In the water, it was like you were kind of bracing against the current. It wasn't. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty sketchy. I think I said that we shouldn't have been out there. (laughs) My, my, My boss actually was fishing very close to the shore, so he probably wasn't dealing with this. In fact, he didn't mention it, but, um, I had gotten maybe a little too ambitious and I was in the, it's not a very big river. It's not that wide, but still I was in the middle and, um, in a situation I thought, you know, this is going to be difficult getting out of. So here's the, uh, so this is the uh, crux of the story that, uh, has never been discussed. I started praying very intensely. Okay. And that's when this thing, boom, stood up and started moving away. (laughs) Wow. Were you praying out loud or just like... No, no, it's very... Okay. Inner prayer. Yeah. Okay. And my impression is that this thing was very aware of that, did not want to have anything to do with that, Mm. and was heading out of there. Interesting. Which is... uh, Sometimes common in these paranormal activities. So, wow, 
So I guess my, my question is, do you have a sense that this thing was evil in some way or kind of associated well, with like well, a negative it, side, the dark side of the yeah, paranormal? It depends on uh, what context. Um, I had read, the, afterwards I had read, the, you're familiar with the, the work of John Keel, I'm sure. John Keel. No, I guess not. <laughs> Sorry. John, John Keel. Keel, Mothman Prophecies. And our, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Okay. Definitely. And he wrote a book called um, Operation Trojan Horse. And uh, right. he went into Operation Trojan Horse as a journalist just to investigate the UFO flaps at the time. And after his investigation and his continuing lifelong investigation into these kind of things, he pretty much came to the same conclusion that these things, the word he uses and I use is demonic, but that's in a Christian context. But if you go beyond that framework, it's these things aren't good. These things do not have our best interest um, at heart. And uh, so, no, I do not think they are, uh, yes, I do not think they are good or. Right. Well, he, he talks about, um, you know, he, he feels like the, the, the Mothman somehow or entities like that sort of feed off of some type of negative energy or something that they're attracted to sort of fear or negative circumstances. Or impending whatever yeah. tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Right. The- um, so, um, I know in, in the account uh, that I read, um, it, it, you weren't afraid. Is that the case? Yeah, no. Is that, were you, did, was there any trace of fear no, was, or, or what was, what were you feeling well, in that moment when you see this thing that's like otherworldly? And- I don't think it was otherworldly. See, the work of John Keel, he calls them ultra terrestrials and, and in his mm. investigations, um, I avoided reading that book for a very long time because, uh, as you probably already know, my experience with the paranormal is, um, pretty long and extensive. I've had many experiences and, uh, that was my and, next um, question. <laughs> and, uh, I had heard of his book. I kind of knew what the gist of it was, but I didn't want to read it because I was coming to my own conclusions, which is. Most of all of this, no matter what you're talking about, is coming from the same intelligence. It's the same. It's just different manifestations of the same thing. And that's what John Keel believes. So that these ultra terrestrials have the ability, well, they're basically shapeshifters. They can take any form they want to. And um, that's pretty much where he the conclusion that he's coming to and others have as well like um nick redfern and there's others who have come to the conclusion that these uh this phenomenon isn't exactly uh positive so Mm -hmm. right but 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 terrestrial but, but like um part of nature or or some type of like super nature yes. or something. But they are here. Like he, 
but they're but they're here. They're not alien beings from another planet. They're primordial. Yeah, right. Even the ET phenomenon is is actually not a nuts and bolts spacecraft from outer space. They are manifestations of an intelligence that is here among us. Is Mm -hmm. basically the uh, Mm -hmm. the theory. Which um, yeah, well, let's we've talked about that in the past. Um, Yeah interesting well let's talk about that idea of like manifestation really quick because you know um setting aside the sort of like terrestrial extraterrestrial nature of some of this these phenomena or encounters you know there there was the recent um disclosures uh and whistleblower that went to congress (laughs) and talked about these things as like part of some type of um projection into a lower dimension And so you you talked about this idea of it it looking transparent. Did you get a sense of like it physically, like a physical sense, like of of it mo- like placing its footsteps on the soil? Um, you know, the, a sense of it being real flesh and blood, or did it did it seem ethereal in some way? Well, it's, it's interesting you brought up these uh these. These whistleblowers, I'm, I'm very suspect about why they're doing this. I'm re- okay, <laughs> okay. Sure, of course. There's yeah. red flags all over that, but uh, uh-huh. because um, you know, I just mentioned Nick Redfern and uh, John Keel, and uh, you know, when did when did Project Blue Book rat? I think in 1969, where the government said, you know, we're not doing this anymore. We're not. Uh, you know, we have no real conclusions. We're closing the book on this. But, uh, of course, they didn't. But I am sure that people in the government, and this is confirmed by uh, Nick Redford and other investigators, that they pretty much came to the same conclusion as, as John Keel and others, that this is not, and uh, these are not from outer space. This is something that's happening here. That the government pretty much has come to the same conclusion as John Hill and others that this is not a uh, extraterrestrial phenomenon. But I, I forget what the uh, gist of the. Uh, oh, it was interesting to go. Well, back. If, it, if it was like a physical thing, was it a physical thing or like something else? Well, it was already pretty uh, transparent when I when it when it got up and started moving away, but. Uh, um. Cryptids disappearing before witnesses' eyes is actually very, very common. Um, with Bigfoot or whatever, it happens a lot. Which also leads me to believe that these are uh, projections, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like spiritual, supernatural. So <clears throat> that moment, you locked eyes with yes. this creature. Immediately, right? yeah. Yeah, and you had a sense that it, and you and you were, and you began praying no, no. when you saw it, no, 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 and then no, it faded. No, before, oh, no. I was praying before I before. saw it. Before, okay. Oh, okay, okay. That like flushed yes. it out. Yeah, like your prayer flushed exactly. it out of the bushes, basically. Yes. It did not want anything to do with that, and it just like got up and said, "I'm out of here." Mm. Yeah, that was the impression. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I, I just, I think that's you know, I think that's so interesting because. Your in the moment feeling of what was happening, right, is I think so important and so like, you know, in a moment like that, you're not thinking about things. You're having an impression, right? It's all happening so fast. It's not like you sat back and sat back and went, 
well, I wonder why it came out of the bushes. Like this is a feeling you had or an instinct or a um, perception, yes. right, of the situation. And I think there's, you know, I, I think there's so much um, credence we should put on those perceptions. Do you know what I mean? Like as opposed to, you know, that that, that is solely part of what the experience yeah. was and not commentary on it. I mean, would you agree with that? Like you felt like you understood what was happening there and it had to do with the fact that your life was in danger, you were praying and this thing had a reaction yes, to that. Exactly. I think I, uh, it's really interesting. I stumbled upon it, whether, you know, uh-huh, so right. Whether it saw me and my boss come in and was waiting. <laughs> some people say, you know, you were like almost a victim of some kind of ambush. You know, I don't know, but it just happened to be there. And, uh, I think I just kind of like stumbled on it. If it had not moved, I would not right. have known anything. If it had just stayed put, I would have like <laughs> just gone past it. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. It is that yeah. you, like you, you sort of surprised it. And, um, but the way you surprised it was not that you were being there, but that you're like something was happening in, in your inner state that, it reacted to. More than I do anything. believe that. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned also that you've had other paranormal experiences leading up to this, and um, at least in the Paul, uh, in the in the um, account with Lon Strickler, you had allegedly said, you know, something like that. You know, you had the sense that. It wasn't astonished for that reason. Um, what kinds of, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of like, you know, what types of paranormal experiences have you had in the past? Well, um, I've seen shadow people fairly often. Um, that's a fairly common one. Uh, the classic full-blown ghost apparitions. Yeah, once or twice. Yeah, well, half a dozen times. Um not as common, but uh, a couple of poltergeist events, but always, always kind oh. of constant. Um, I think some people are just more in tune to it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So for I'm sure. just, I think I'm just happen to be one of those that are more familiar or are, are able to. I don't know. Sense it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, maybe it. like you're able to perceive it. Uh, you know, maybe the, the veil's a little bit thinner with you yeah. where you're able to access I it. I mean, it. was no. there any sense in it? It doesn't sound like there was that your boss had any awareness uh, that there was None. something. <laughs> even it was an eerie feeling None. or nothing. In fact, okay. when we got there, there was a creepy vibe. You know, my 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 radar wasn't mm-hmm. full blow, which sometimes happens, but it was creepy. And after the event, when I finally did get out of trouble, I kind of like laddered it to the right. You know, every time I took a step right, I would get pushed down. But I laddered my way into shallow water and was able to uh, get out of that situation. And my boss came down, and uh, even after it was over, there was still that very distinct creepy feeling that this thing was you know wasn't gone so and that's one of the reasons 
you, to go back a ways, it would have been interesting to go back to see if there were footprints or anything like that. I would have liked to have checked that out. Um, but there are some who we talk about, you know, interdimensional beings, which is a very interesting theory. And I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't think I never really bought into that. I think they, these entities, ultra terrestrials, whatever they are, ex just exist on a different energy field and they exist on the same plane that we do. I really do believe that. So, mm -hmm. you know, in other words, yeah, we've, they're not we've, going somewhere mm -hmm. else. They're, they just kind of dissipate. Do you have any sense of why this location? Is there any local lore or anything um, around the river? And, okay. and um, despite my my account and the other witness on the show's account that happened on the same river and, and close by, the whole thing kind of died out. I never heard anything, you know, past that. So it seems to have been kind of a a one off. As far as, mm -hmm. cryptid, mm. as far as cryptids are concerned. And you've never experienced anything like it again? Not a mantis, man. <laughs> no. Not a mantis. <laughs> Any more paranormal oh, experiences yeah, yeah, yeah. since that? Yeah, or? Like I said. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. No. So, so then, I mean, did that go, you know, back to like you not feeling afraid? Did that, did that... Um, the fact that you have experiences like that, w were you immediately like, oh, this is one of the those experiences or did something feel unique about it? Or are you normally not afraid if you see a shadow person or is that not startling to well, you? Well, they're or? freaky, but no, I'm, I'm never terrified. No. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, shadow people are freaky because they, they can yeah. bolt. They're very, they're very... Yeah, you know, I've seen them move slowly when when they don't think that I. But once they're they're spotted, man, they 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 take off at at alarming rates of speed. And uh, have you seen them? In, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you if you've seen them in the context of like more of a sleep paralysis scenario, sleep paralysis no, scenario, I, or just no, in, in, in general. In fact, okay. most of my uh, encounters with with them have been in broad daylight. So. Which is an, huh. which, which, which is another interesting thing as far as people people's perceptions. I think I have a theory that because people associate this kind of stuff with the uh, you know after dark and kind of creepy and blah, they're not really mm -hmm. expecting it on a beautiful sunny day, so they don't notice it. So it goes right past. Yeah, we. We have a friend of the show who's, you know, he's definitely extra sensitive and he also feels like that sensitivity also has a way of sort of attracting those things as well, right? Like if, if some, something knows that you're able to see it somehow, you, um, they come around, right? That, that, that's at least sort of, I think his perception about it. Do you have that feeling at all that, that like, that are you just more aware or do you feel like you've attracted for whatever reason? No, I don't think no. Or that no, they're interconnected. To go back to what I said earlier, I, I don't think yeah. I attract them. In fact, what I said earlier holds true with most of my experiences is that I seem to just stumble upon it. 
it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just happen to come along. Um, um, I can tell you uh, one story that I thought was uh, pretty dramatic. That you know, uh, years ago when I was working as a uh, waiter in this uh, private club, it had uh, you know canopies attached to the building. You know those permanent tents that they have. And um, yeah, yeah, there was a big event. So when I got to work, they said, you know, go into the uh, north canopy and polish wine glasses. You know, there was a wedding, so this one canopy, which was smaller than the bigger one where a lot of the events are held, was mostly used for storage. So all the wine glasses were in there, and again, you know, we're talking about a white background. So I went in there. I was all by myself in a room largely full, half full of. Uh, you know, catering equipment um, to polish wine glasses. And I'm just standing there polishing glasses, lost in my thoughts when I suddenly hear a rustle. And I look up, and you know those uh, fake trees that they have, those pica trees that they uh, they usually have at these events? Um, there was one in sure. the corner. Yeah. And that was what had been shaking, and a shadow person had just bolted right across the room against this canvas, against this white canvas. Again, like the Memphis man, it was like up against a white background and it just bolted right out of the room in front of me. <coughs> Excuse me. And there was a there was an event going on right outside, so it just like went into the crowd. Um, and uh, I thought that was particularly creepy because it was hiding in the tree apparently it was in the canopy of this little tree in the corner <sighs> and mm. when it got out you know it shook the tree it made noise and um so the physical tree was yeah. shaking so anyone could have seen that no, happening. yeah i was alone but but i just thought you know that was one encounter like i said it was a beautiful day it was like a day in may it was 80 degrees sunny it was beautiful but um that wasn't my only encounter in this place, but that's just to uh, describe it. And these uh, these shadow people look like um, someone described it. Those uh, those magnetic toys with the metal shavings, where you have this stick and you can like make mustaches on people. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. when you when, you, love when you're pushing the uh, the the fragments along and the way they the way they move and shake. Um, because when a shadow person moves, they're not exactly solid. They have that kind of cartoonish, almost like you know, pixelated or something behind them. They're like, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Wow. So I got to ask you. I mean, a, a lot of times when people have these abilities, um, or the second sight, or whatever you want to call it, this um, enhanced perception. It starts in childhood. When when did you first start having these experiences? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Very young. Um, one of my sisters, also, uh, I have a lot of sisters. My my eldest sister, the sister right behind me, is all are, are also. I seem to have the. Uh, I don't know. Indeed, I don't want to. I seem to have it more than they do, but they certainly do. Um, but they would tell me stories also, but they 
weren't quite aware that it was paranormal. They would just say, well, something just really weird happened to me, secret, whatever. So, um, but yeah, very young. In fact, I remember, uh, yeah, yeah, very young. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade. So. Were you afraid at first? No, there was never any. From from what you remember? No. Something's off, maybe like stop. Never. Mm -hmm. I was never afraid ever. No. Maybe like, like, cause you, it seems like you see them as part of the natural world. So like stumbling across an animal, you might be sort of surprised, but you're not like existentially afraid. No. Yes. I mean, no and yes. I mean, I do think that they are. <laughs> I am aware that they, that this exists. And when you know that it exists and you capture glimpses of it, on a fairly regular basis, you just be kind. You just kind of get used to it. It's normal, right? 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 So, and that's what I think a lot of people. You know, that's another theory. People say, "Well, you know, they they they're interdimensional and they come through cracks, so we have to be careful." To keep. Now, I, I just think that's a defense mechanism to make them feel better that this thing is like a separate mm. thing and it doesn't really, but have anything to do with this world keep this world simple and safe and if there's other weird things let them come from somewhere else no i am no it's here i'm i'm convinced of that right right so um in the past we've talked about uh the men in black and and things like that and just like a lot of times you know people that experience these things have very good reason to not want to come forward or they've had like pushback or blowback um, repercussions when they have. Did you have, like, what, what led you to, to share this story and what was the reaction in general? Well, I was afraid that everyone in the world would see that show <laughs> and that uh, <coughs> the reaction would be kind of a ridicule, but that never happened. Um, it's kind of funny that uh, a, a, a current co-worker of mine, um, Caught a rerun of that Phantom of that um, Monsters and Mysteries in America, and he was very excited because he's really big into this. And he said, "I saw it on TV last night." And I said, "Oh my!" I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, yeah, that show." Uh, you know, I almost didn't do it. Um, why I decided to? Because at the time, I was uh, subscribed to. Uh, Lon Strickler's blog, but he was just putting out it. He was putting that stuff out every day. It was just too much to keep up with. So I kind of took a break from it. But something several years later came up, and I had almost forgotten, actually, believe it or not, about this Mantis episode. And and I thought about it, and I said, you know, maybe I should uh, tell him about it. So I did. But it was something I was reading about mantis aliens or something like that oh that's Mm. what made me come forward and the truth is no one saw it i mean no one i know saw it it didn't really affect my personal life uh another person i knew accidentally saw the episode and messaged me on facebook but it was positive so so no it wasn't really negative so Mm. Good. 
Good. Have you ever met anybody else who's had a similar experience? Yeah. Or had anyone contact you like, I saw the same thing? Oh, my God. Um, no. Like, when you first messaged me, you messaged me through Facebook, and because we weren't friends, it goes into a weird file, and I didn't see it for days and didn't see the notification. Um, I do, once in a blue moon, get someone who sees the episode and, and tries to contact me, but and I've had a, a couple of conversations with them, but these these are, uh, I don't know, sometimes they're a little far out, and, and I kind of tell them this isn't fun and games actually it's it's actually kind of serious and uh i wouldn't play around with it so yeah that, <laughs> that was um, leads me to my next question i was wondering like what would you say to other people who may have encountered if not the same thing but as something similar like do you have any advice yeah um well let me go back to say you know do, do i have well i do have a very good friend of mine that uh i grew up with um, she and I are actually almost the exact same age where our birthdays are only two days apart. And, um, I had always, you know, even though I come from a very small town and knew her since nursery school, you know, I had heard, we, we didn't really travel in the same circles, but I had heard, um, through mutual people that, uh, she saw things. She, you know, she had these abilities. So we became very good friends much later on. And it's nice to have a friend who uh, you could just talk openly, who who uh, perfectly understands this stuff. So sure, that's how she told me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you want to hear started. a funny little story <laughs> right, she told yeah. me once? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It was very a funny so ghost story. She was living in a. Uh, in the house with her husband and she said she kept waking up in the middle of the night and would see a family standing at the edge of her bed like an old time like oh my god farming family a mother um father and um a younger son maybe 17 18 years old and she wow. was like they were disturbing her sleep and this was happening like every night and she didn't know why these people were like standing at the uh, foot of her bed every night and just staring at her right so, um, oh, and she had something interesting to say to me, so I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. But, um, um, so one night she just had enough and she like yelled at them and said, well, not yelled, but she told them, listen, you're waking me up and you know, you're, you're bothering me. It's like, please stop coming or stop, stop doing this. Right. And, uh, she told me that the next night she woke up in the middle of the night and they weren't at the foot of her bed. They were outside on the porch looking in through the, through the, <laughs> through the uh, leaning glass oh my gosh! So they kind of listened to her, but not completely. They just like moved out of the bedroom. <laughs> D- did she feel like this was like uh, the, the, the ghosts of a family who lived no, she, in the area or like on the no, property? She, prior, she wasn't really prior. sure. She just told, she thought it was funny. You know, she told these ghosts like to leave her alone, mm-hmm. like, get out of my bedroom and they just like it's kind of me <laughs> what's so fascinating about people sleeping because you hear a lot of these like experiences happen at night you know when people wake up in the middle of the night you know, whether it's sleep paralysis or something and then the, the, at the it's always like they're standing at the end of your bed yeah. looking at you which is the creepiest possible like, like, 
<laughs> well, it's interesting. She t- she told him to get out. Like I, I you know, I was going to ask you: Have, have you ever um, uh, had the impulse to sort of try to interact no. with any of this, any of well, these phenomena no, that you've I had? I personally find no. that very dangerous. Um, this mm, particular mm-hmm. friend of mine does not. Um, but to go back to what you said earlier, she told me she goes, "Well, they recognize that you have a porch light on." You had the porch light on. So, and I thought that was a nice way of putting it with her. She has the porch light on. So these, whoever, whatever this is, because I do think that maybe ghosts may in fact be a different phenomenon. It's not the same as, you know, the older I get, I'm thinking that, um, you know, this idea of purgatory actually does exist. That uh, Hmm. if you're not completely you know, pure enough to pass over, you are kind of like stuck here for a while. That seems to be, Mm. it does seem to be coming more uh, realistic to me. But, um, because I had a Wait, can I ask if, can were you raised Catholic? Yeah, I don't, I I was, I don't consider Mm -hmm. myself to be Catholic. I I do, I am Religious, however, I mean spiritual. I, I like mm-hmm. I said, I do pray, but mm-hmm. um. Do you mind me asking what what faith? I don't know, no faith in particular. But I was about to okay. say something that she said. Um, when she said, "Well, it's because you have the porch light on," because you know, I I don't want to go into this story because it's uh, very personal. But I did have a uh, very profound experience. Um. After one, after one of my sisters passed away, which um, was very disturbing, and she told me she said that this was um, well, you have the porch light on, you know, so they, you know, sometimes they will come and, uh, but I don't know if I if I buy that, but I'm just saying that. But that goes back to what you were, what Seth was saying before about uh, if you have these ability it may attract um the phenomenon so i think in certain cases yes that's very true so Mm. what you were saying christina i'm sorry oh i i I don't remember i'm sorry i'm sorry to hear about your sister though um yeah but the the porch light uh that that's I think kind of a, like a like a poignant and lovely way of putting it, you know that, you know some people have this. It's almost like a whether whether the veil is thinner. I know we, we've talked on the show before. Um, there is a theory out there that the brain. I mean, it, it isn't a a generator of consciousness. It's a filter, um, a physical filter, and sort of you know there there are different states that or 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 different people that have. A little bit of a, uh, I guess, a wider filter, so more can yeah. get in. But as far as so, Seth was saying about yeah. wishing to contact them, no, I, I think that's just not a good idea. No. <laughs> so you think it's all kind of just yeah, not good? Yeah, like, you know, let's like, not invite. When us. I see these investigators, you know, and they say, you know, if there's someone here, could you give us a sign? That's uh, yeah. It's not a good game to play. 
Yeah, I definitely. I know we've talked we, about. We definitely agree with. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was 100%. more interested about like just even like go away or you know whatever like you know whether any impulse right like even if that's like get out of here or stay away from me. Um, but in general, you'll just sort of like see it and then it goes. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. and I think too many people. Well, I have something interesting. This, do you remember that? One of the first paranormal shows was about the the two plumbers in the Boston area. Do you remember that show? No. What what was it? You oh, geez, it, it was or... so big. This is probably back in the nineties. Um, he was bald. Unsolved mysteries. No, it was, I don't remember, but it was a okay. bald-headed guy plumbers. and his friend who was. They drove around. They were plumbers full time, I think, or something like that. And on the side, they did paranormal investigations. And I believe it, they were from the Boston area. And um, I heard through the grapevine some stories I told. And remind me, oh, to, to tell you what I heard from the producers about the other witness. It was Ghost Hunters. Sorry, just Google it. <laughs> was it Ghost Hunters? It was Ghost Hunters. Okay. I just Googled yeah. it. <laughs> Well, apparently the the other guy, the uh, brunette, the, the guy who wasn't bald, um, you could see it in the show that his face, he was like suckles under his eyes and everything, that he was um, starting to get, uh, you know, I don't want to speak out of school. I don't know him, but I, I have read articles that, uh, you know, some of their investigations were getting very intense. And, um, and, uh, the problem is that the uh, producers of these shows, you know, they want it entertaining. They want it scary, but not too scary. But actually, very scary stuff actually happens behind the scenes often. And apparently this guy uh, retired. He said, I can't do this anymore. So he said, it was getting really intense. So I always... You know, when I say to people, some people who contact me, it's like, this really isn't fun and games. This is a very serious thing. It's, uh, you know, it's one thing when your kids go out into a graveyard for, for laughs, but, um, you know, it's, it's really more serious than people, you know, treat it, I think. So. Yeah, we've done, uh, an episode in the past on Ouija board mishaps. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> Stay away from yes. the Ouija boards. Yeah. Agreed. No, I can't um, confirm this fact, but when I was uh, talking with the producers, when I did um, the show for um, Monsters and Mysteries in America, I was talking to one of the producers initially over the phone, and he was telling me, I don't know why it didn't end up in the episode, and I can't verify this fact, but the other witness... We saw the man, this man in the same area that I did um, actually also experienced missing time and there was a fish kit. Uh-oh. So, missing time and sorry, what? And there was a, a fish kill. Fish kill? Yeah, fish a were fish dying kill. coming up like to the fish? surface of the uh, river. Oh, whoa. Did you experience either one of those things? No, not at all. So... Never miss. All right. hmm. I can't verify that, but that's what uh, hmm. this what produced me. The prayer helps. So it's interesting what they decide to leave out. I don't know. Hmm. 
Yeah, what they edited out. So, okay, so um, on this sort of point of missing time or people who have had other experiences with like this or with something they saw as a mantis man, um, uh, you know, what, what we've, we did an episode on an artist named David Huggins. I don't know if you know his artwork at all or, or anything about him, his experiences. David Huggins? Yeah. I'll look him up. Yeah, do. I think it would be, um, it might be interesting for you because he, so he, this is a fellow who, um, you know, grew up in, um, in, in the rural South and started having experiences um, at, a, at a very young age. And they were um, very complex experiences that happened all through his life. And um, there was a, a number of types of beings that he would encounter. And one of them was a, um, one of them was a mantis that was like, you know, pretty large. It was like, um, I, 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 did, I don't think he would have described it as humanoid based off his paintings, but it, he described it as having a glowing head um, that would sort of watch over the encounters okay. he would have with these beings. And, and they were very like um, what you would describe as sort of what people would describe as sort of extraterrestrial. In fact, he, you know, had experiences of leaving the planet and things like that. And, but he, he extensively painted them um, at the, at the direction he, he says of one of the beings when he said he didn't, um, he was having a hard time processing, you know, it, it was starting to get to him. And so they suggested he sort of painted it that he painted it. Um, so anyways, I was just curious if you had ever seen his paintings because they're so, um, you know, he paints a lot of, uh, of these mantises. It's different than the one that you saw. It is more mantis like, but it it's bipedal it, and it has, um, you know, like I said, they, it tends to glow. He describes it as like having a glowing aura around its head. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so I think, um, you know, I, I guess where I was going with that is that, uh, you, you know, when, when you hear about an experience like that, do, do you do you feel that like um, any sort of kinship in that? Or do you feel like this is all part of like a broad, uh, I don't know, tapestry of phenomenon? And, and, and maybe some is this sort of, what did you call it, ultra terrestrial or whatever, or maybe some of it's different. Um but uh you know in terms of the fact that like you painted this was this a um were you trying to like work this experience out or or remember it like was that part of it or were you just really just trying to like yeah i mean like what 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 motivated you to um, paint it i guess actually for the show because uh when i was talking to the producer i said i will send you i'm an artist i will send you sketches so i had done a bunch of sketches and I said, you know, I, I will do a full blown painting of this, but they didn't use it. <laughs> so. Oh, interesting. Why not? I don't know. I, I've written about it on my, uh, on my <laughs> blog. Odd. It's like they decided to go with the big bug with the six legs and, uh, yeah. right, right, right. So. And that didn't fit no. that. Yeah. Again, maybe less scary. I don't know. <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, good TV, yeah. right? Make it a little more cartoonish. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, 
So to that point, though, um, you're, you're an artist and you have a blog and website. Uh, what can, where can people find out? Where, where can people see this painting and, and, and your other ones? Oh, the, uh, the art of Paul It's mostly landscapes, but I'm also a photographer, but for some reason I don't. Well, yeah, the, the, there is some photography on the website, but I am a, uh, technically I am a contributor for, uh, Getty and I stock. So I do spend times, oh, okay. you know, outside taking pictures. So. I'm like, yeah, man. Very cool. Cool. Well, great. Um, did you have any more um, questions, Christina, or is there anything else you wanted to Well, I guess I was just wondering, yeah, is there anything else that you'd want to share about that experience or about any parting words or advice for anyone who's experienced something similar? Oh, yeah, you were asking me about advice for anyone else. I would say... Um, Well, I heard some interesting theories about why these ultra-terrestrials do what they do. In fact, you hear all these stories about people who say, you know, they're driving in the car and suddenly some wolf man, uh, some dog man or Bigfoot or some other weird cryptid jumps in front of their car. And uh, I had mentioned the researcher, Nick Redfern, who came, who said, you know, it's as though they are doing it on purpose. And I say, yes, exactly, they are. Because if you think about Bigfoot, and he's supposed to be this elusive area uh, creature, why, would, why wouldn't he just wait for the car to pass before crossing the road if that's what he wanted to do? This seems to be very uh, intentional. And the, the other um, witness to the Mantis Man seems to have been targeted. Now, whether I was meant to be targeted and uh, Mantis decided uh, I was not a good choice, I don't know. But uh, the advice I would give to people is do not try not to, well, I think don't obsess about it because there's been plenty of stories um, about people who have given up their livelihoods, broken up marriages, blah, 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 to, to, to pursue um, this obsession after they've had an experience, and I've heard more than from more than one source that that is one of their uh, that is one of their uh, motives, their intentions is to distract you, to keep you from the truth, to etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I could tell you a couple of stories, but uh, yeah, so people tend to get. Uh, Many witnesses tend to get obsessed and they think about it the entire lives. And uh, I would say just try, uh, about this house, maybe a little cavalier, um, blow it off. Just don't let it affect you like that. So interesting, almost like it's like a seduction or something, trying to get lure people into. Um, further yeah, engagement, deception, misinformation, delusion. Mm -hmm. So, my mouse is stuck. Wow. <laughs> but whatever. Um. All right. Well, I feel like I feel like we did it. Well, thank you so much really for um, 
for coming on the show and sharing your, your experiences. This was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so I much, it. Paul. I, I'm so glad we got the chance to, we to could, talk I to could you. talk for hours yeah. about a lot of stuff on, on this stuff, but... So. We should yeah, have so, you so back. Funny. We want to hear like <laughs> yeah, 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 well, part two. We want to hear yeah. about your other paranormal yeah. experiences, especially like yeah. the, the poltergeist oh, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. I mean, that just seems like you've got so much yeah. to share. It would be fun. I'm thinking about writing in a book Great. myself. So, uh, Oh, you should, yeah. You should do it. Would you like to hear the title? It kind of goes yes. to what I was just saying. It's so random, it can't be random. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we talk on the show a lot about how, you know, the, there's the sort of like accepted reality and, and and that's kind of moves with the sort of like thought of the time, right? The zeitgeist of the time. And then there's the, the experiences people have despite all that. <laughs> and and they're, they're often not the same, you know, like people will ha- like no matter what science or religion believes about these things, people continue to have their own experiences, whether they're, yeah, as you say, like random or not, um, there's, there's a truth there that we should recognize. And I think, you know, I think like discussions like this and hearing, you know, um, hearing people's firsthand accounts and, and, you know, taking them seriously, I think is a big part of us really understanding what the real human experience is. So, yeah. So I, I, I just say that uh, when I read a lot of these encounters, um, they're not random. They, people have been uh, singled out. They have, they're victims. They're, they've okay. been targeted. So, Do you think it's because they've got of the porch light phenomenon? Uh, no, not necessarily. I see maybe there's a, mm. they see a vulnerability that they can. Um, and I would just uh, press upon people to... Uh, put up better defenses um i guess i could go on about that but uh maybe it's at a different time but so again i would just tell people if they've had experiences like this don't get rolled (laughs) okay you're being uh, you're being messed with so you know and that's what they're they're after so that might have. right. I think John Keel called them sometimes tricksters. Yes, at one exactly. Point, right. That they yes, like, they yeah, they, they right. kind of do this. You know what the, exactly their motives are? Who knows? But yeah, they seem to intend to uh, to mess with us. So, can I ask you one yeah. final question before we go? Do you feel like I mean to that point? Um, do you think that when you experienced this, was there any vulnerability? Were you at a point in your life? Was there, like looking back, was there a window that was open on your part? Or do you think it was just because of your, well, with the mantis- you know, awareness of this? With, with the, with the no, mantis- I don't think I was vulnerable. No. Okay. In fact, I think that's why the thing got up and left. <laughs> well, okay, mm-hmm. good. So... That's it. All right, great. Well, thanks again. Yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And um, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Okay, so. well, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. Such a great show. I appreciate show. it. Thank thanks. you. Take care. All right. Bye. Good night. Bye. Bye. 
Shadowland Podcast is produced by Seth Jablon and Christina Callery. Edited by Tim Kelly. Theme music by Tim Lincoln. Thanks, Tim. 